The year is 1973. The world is terrified by the exorcist. There were reports that people were fainting, vomiting, and some even having heart attacks seeing the film. And all these years later, 50 years later, the world still sees it as one of the most terrifying films of all time. But what if I were to tell you that that film was based on a true story? The story of Roland Doe. So join us here on Horror Time as we go over this true story of possession. But first, a Horror Time tale titled The Exorcism of Joseph. Listen now to the tales, the legends, and the true stories. For time is but a human construct, and it knows no bounds. For the paranormal and unexplained, it is always horror time. Father Daniel, can you please close the door? Yes. I can't believe this is real. I can feel the darkness in the room. All right, let's us begin. Bring me the incantation. Okay. I bless this room this house and this man evil spirits leave at once you are not welcome here i bless this room this house and this man evil spirits leave at once you are not welcome here i bless this room this house and this man evil spirits leave at once you are not welcome here you know who you tried to banish. If I was able to take my true form, your eyes would bleed and your bodies turn to dust. We cast you out in his name. Now, be gone! That tickles. But I needed a drink. I was parched. Exodus Are you boys hungry? End this house. We banish you to hell. Oh, don't worry. That's just pea soup. Leave this place, you disgusting demon. This man is innocent. We command you to leave this place. You are not welcome. I'm tired of your weak attempts. It is a bore. Let's see if I can stir things up a bit. Foul demon. Enough of your nonsense. We are going to cast you back to the dark abyss. Father Daniel, that is enough. Stay focused. It is just trying to distract you from the task at hand. I need you in order to get this done correctly. Now, get the candles and holy oil ready. We need to prepare to contain it. Uh, it's just that. Just get it done. Here is not the time to dwell. Just do <laughs> as you're told. Ah, don't disappoint Daddy. Let's see what I can dig up in that pathetic excuse for a brain you have. Hmm. Yes. Haven't been such an innocent boy, have you, Danny? Hidden, but not from stop. me. No, stop Would it. Would you like to spill the beans? Be tricked. Stop. It was an accident. We... 
We didn't know he would get hurt, let alone killed. Daniel! What did I say? It happened in the past, and you have been forgiven. Let it go. Pull yourself together, and let's finish this. We don't know how long we have before this man's time is up. If you're looking to save this mortal, you're far too late for that. You evil beast, burn! Why did you torment this man? You shall burn eternally for that. I did it for the sheer enjoyment. To feel him squirm as there was nothing he could do. It's all about the pleasures, Danny, my friend. Why don't you come to my side and I can show you how the world really works. What's your name, devil? I've never come across a demon that I couldn't send back to hell. Your head seems to be more inflated than the rest of them. They usually don't survive past the holy water and banishment ritual. Well, I don't usually give out my name on the first date, father. But, I like Danny Boy over there, so I'll throw you a bone. You definitely have read about me before. I was the first to be cast out of the garden. <laughs> Any guesses? Oh, dear Lord in heaven! Lilith! Ding ding, you win. You're really good at this. Maybe I won't get rid of you after all. I could use some playthings. Here's a bonus for you both. Joseph agreed to let me in. He was tired of his boring old life. So I told him I could fill it with excitement. And as you can see, we're pretty exciting right now, aren't we? How is this possible? Wait. Father Richard, how does she get out? She is very powerful. I'm not surprised. Daniel, I don't believe we will be leaving this room anytime soon. No more games. We need to stay on the mission. Do you understand, Father Daniel? I... I understand. I will do what is necessary. We need to banish her. I'm not sure if that will be enough. Quick, get the item I gave you earlier. Hurry! It's the only chance! Oh, what are you boys trying to do now, hmm? You know, nothing can stop me. You might as well just join me. Hmm, what is this? Is that? How did you get that from Michael's sword? You don't seem so confident now, you devil. You know what this is? It's time to go home. Hold her down! Yes! Now! Open wide, you hell spawn! fans i'm timekeeper matt i'm timekeeper pat and welcome to horror time we are in the midst of exorcist week here at horror time and this is our episode about the true story that inspired the film and then on friday the 13th this week we are going to be reviewing as a special horror time review we'll be reviewing the first three films of the exorcist franchise um so we're definitely excited for that but first let's go over the true story of Roland Doe. There are three phases of demonic possession. Infestation. This is the initial stage where the malevolent entity or demon begins to make its presence known. It often involves subtle signs, such as unexplained noises, 
strange odors, or objects moving on their own. Oppression. During this stage, the malevolent entity intensifies its influence, causing psychological and physical harm to the victim. This may manifest as extreme fear, depression, physical ailments, or unexplained marks on the victim's body. And then, the final, possession. This is the stage where the malevolent entity takes full control over the victim's body and actions. The possessed individual may exhibit altered behavior, speak in languages they do not know, and demonstrate superhuman strength. In January of 1949, this, all stages, happened to one 13-year-old boy named Roland Doe. It began very subtly. Scratch, scratch, that echoed through the attic. At first, it was dismissed as the mischief of rats or some other mundane pest. But as days turned into weeks, it became clear that something far more sinister was at play. The scratching sounds grew louder and more persistent, seemingly emanating from beneath the floorboards near Roland's grandmother's bed. The family, concerned about a potential rodent infestation, called upon the services of an exterminator. Chemicals were placed beneath the floor with the hope that the scratching would cease. But stubbornly, it persisted. For 10 long days at their house in Maryland, the eerie scratching continued, tormenting the family's peace. Then suddenly, it stopped, leaving the family with a glimmer of hope that their ordeal had ended. However, Roland claimed otherwise. He insisted that he still heard the unnerving noise even when no one else did. Three days later, the sound returned for everyone, but this time it had relocated to Roland's own bedroom. It took on a new unsettling form, the sound of squeaking shoes on the bed, audibly only at night when Roland lay down to sleep. For six consecutive nights, the squeaking persisted, a disconcerting accompaniment to the darkness. And on the sixth night, something extraordinary extraordinary occurred. Roland, his mother, and his grandmother, all lying on the bed, felt an approaching presence. It was as if marching feet and distant drums were drawing near. Tension hung heavy in the air as they questioned the unseen entity, wondering if it might be the uh, recently departed spirit of Roland's deceased beloved aunt, Aunt Tilly. In a moment of eerie communion, Roland's mother asked for a sign of confirmation. Three knocks. One, two, three. To their astonishment, three distinct knocks echoed from beneath the floor. Curiously, curiosity peaked. They pressed for further communication and response four knocks resounded, followed by the eerie sound of claws scratching on the mattress itself. However, the family chose to ignore the mattress torment, believing it to be a trick of the mind. But the unseen forces had other plans. The entire bed began to shake violently, and one unsettling occasion, the bedspread was pulled from beneath the mattress, forming a contorted shape as though starched The very touch of the sides caused them to fall back into place, and the scratching on the mattress persisted. The date of February 26, 1949 would be etched into their memories for a different reason. It marked the beginning of a series of horrifying encounters. Mysterious scratches began to appear on Roland's body, continuing for four consecutive nights. These marks as if etched by invisible claws, appeared as sinister words and symbols. Fearing fearing this unexplained phenomenon, Roland's mother contemplated leaving their home and taking him to St. Louis, hoping to to escape the inexplicable events that had taken hold of their lives. At school, Roland's teacher would blame him for causing trouble because papers would also fly around there, across the room, and his desk would rattle. As the unexplained noises grew more frequent, Roland's family became increasingly alarmed. 
they began to hear whispers and hushed conversations when no one else was present. Objects moved on their own accord and strange marks appeared on the walls. Every night his bed would begin to shake and he would go into contortions. Fearful and desperate for answers, they turned to medical and psychiatric professionals, hoping for a rational explanation for these unsettling events. Doctors examined Roland, conducting extensive medical tests and evaluations, but found no physical issues, and psychiatrists found nothing mentally wrong that could account for the phenomena. The family, unable to find a scientific explanation for their son's behavior, was de left deeply troubled and frightened. Amid their growing fear, the family continued to search for answers, eventually turning to their Lutheran pastor, Reverend Luther Miles Schultz, for guidance. Reverend Schultz, however, found himself perplexed by the strange occurrences that plagued Roland's home. He thought it might be, the, might be poltergeists, as many of the things that were happening fit the description. Since poltergeists were said to really only inhabit the home of the individual, Schultz invited Roland to stay the night at his house. That night, Roland's bed still began to shake. Schultz moved him to an armchair, but they also, that also began to shake violently and dumped Roland onto the floor. Lastly, he laid on a mattress next to Schultz's bed. The mattress slid back and forth across the floor and then slid right under the, the bed seemingly sucked under the bed and started thrashing up and down underneath the bed, hitting his face on the springs. Fearing for their son's safety and increasingly convinced that he was possessed by an evil spirit, Roland's family turned to other clergy members, including Reverend Edward Hughes and Reverend William Van Rue, for help. These clergymen witnessed firsthand the bizarre and disturbing phenomena that accompanied Roland's affliction, including the room becoming freezing cold, items moving, and three scratches across his arm for three nights in a row. It became clear to all of those involved that they were facing a force beyond their understanding, and these unsettling occurrences were far from over. Father Hughes a Catholic priest entered the picture, recommending blessed candles, holy water, and prayers as means to confront the malevolent force. Yet to their shock, the paranormal activity only intensified when these prayers were uttered. The entity seemed to mock their faith, growing bolder with each attempt to expel it. Father Hughes thought the actual devil himself, Satan, was possessing the boy. Realizing the gravity of the situation, he sought permission for a full-scale exorcism from the bishop. The bishop gave him permission, and Roland was brought to the Georgetown University Psychiatric Ward. There, he was strapped to the bed as Father Hughes began the uh, Rituali Romanum. As he was reciting a part, Roland broke free from restraint, grabbed a bedspring, and stabbed Hughes in the arm from shoulder to wrist and required over a hundred stitches, though this account is alleged. Roland later goes home and looks in the mirror. He lets out a blood-curdling scream as the word Lewis is etched into his chest out of nowhere. His parents believe this is a sign to move to St. Louis, closer to the family. The family moved in with Roland's uncle. However, moving did not make things better. In fact, they were about to get much, much worse. Furniture started to move. Guttural screams and growls emanated from Roland, and his cousin, who was there to witness all of this, was going to St. Louis University at the time and approached Father Raymond Bishop and told him there was something very wrong with her cousin Roland and asked him to come to take a look. Father Bishop went to visit Roland with an assisting priest, Father William S. Bodern. During the first visit, they witnessed nothing after reciting prayers over Roland. However, once they left, strange things started to happen. A bookcase blocked the door. A bottle of holy water flew across the room. The priests returned, and they started to witness everything that was going on. They decided to refer to the Rituali Romanum and initiate the exorcism after given approach, approval by the archbishop. It was during this first exorcism that they believed the demonic entity fully possessed him. 
As they prayed over him in Latin and sprayed holy water onto him, scratches started to appear on his arm in front of them, Roland and as Roland shrieked in pain. Roland tied down to the bed, then laid still, and the words hell appeared on his chest, almost as if it was being pushed up from under the skin, and then it appeared to be branded onto him. As the nights went on and the exorcism continued in Roland's room, the demonic presence became worse. They even witnessed his bed rise eight inches off the ground. This was not only witnessed by the priests, Roland's distant cousin, Dr. Frank Bubb, a scientist who was actually part of the Manhattan Project, the project that developed a nuclear bomb, witnessed the shaking and Roland's nightstand rise from the ground as well when he was observing one night. The priests all agreed that maybe moving him to a rectory at St. Francis Xavier College would be more effective. Bringing him there, though, it proved hard to keep secrecy. The bishop requested secrecy for this exorcism, that no one know what was going on. However, when they brought him to this rectory, the students were able to hear his screams and shaking, and rumors started going around the college. It was here the full power of the demonic possession was witnessed as Roland started to display superhuman strength to the point where all three priests could barely hold this 13-year-old boy down. He got loose and would slap and hit the priests. At one point, he hit one of the priests right in the groin and punched another one in the nose. They returned him to his home where, oddly, everything was quiet for about five days. On the fifth day, he started to write vigorously, writing things like, I will stay ten days and leave, then return on the fourth. I am the devil himself. At this point, the exorcism had been going on for 17 days. The priests decided that it might be a good idea to actually baptize him as a Catholic, as he was actually a Lutheran not a Catholic. The reason they thought that they should baptize him is because baptism in the Catholic faith serves as almost a exorcism in its own right, casting out any evil spirits. On their way to the church, he leapt in the front seat of his uncle's car and tried to grab the steering wheel, screaming, You are going to baptize me and offer me communion? That will not work. His uncle had to pull over the car, and then they had to force him inside the church. As holy water was poured onto him, he began to convulse and scream and again display incredible strength. Again, three people had to hold him down. They decided that the best place to take him was the Alexian Brothers Hospital, a place known for its secrecy and its psychiatric wards. So on day 26, the beginning of Holy Week, Roland was taken to the hospital. At the hospital, the same events still took place, and it was even witnessed that Roland actually levitated himself off of the bed and had to be held down to prevent further levitation. One of the priests took Roland out for a walk around the grounds, and around there featured the various stations of the cross, which is the depiction of the path Jesus took on the way to the cross and the events afterward. When Roland reached the point where Jesus was being placed in the tomb, he burst out in a rage and ran towards a high cliff that led into the Mississippi River when the priest had to tackle him to the ground. The day after Easter, they performed an exorcism, placing holy objects such as relics and chains depicting saints and the crucifix. Roland screamed out in pain, saying that these items were burning him and burning his neck. Father Bodern repeatedly asked the demon, Who are you? What is your name? A voice that wasn't Roland spoke through him, saying, We need to speak one word, one word, one word, one word, then Roland, Roland seemingly defied the demonic spirit and started to recite a prayer. Satan, I am Michael, and I command you and the other devil spirits to leave this body. 
in the name of Dominus to leave the body now, now, now. Father Bodern realized that Dominus is the word, the Latin word for Lord. Roland then started to claim that he saw himself in a cave with St. Michael the Archangel in front of him with a flaming sword and a pitchfork, pushing the demons and Satan back to hell. Roland then violently convulsed for several minutes and then fell still back onto the bed. Roland looked up and claimed, It's over. Bodern wasn't completely sure, so he prayed for a sign that it was over, when all of a sudden there was a loud boom. So loud that the monks in the hospital thought that the furnace broke. Father Bodern knew that this was the sign, that it was completely over. Even afterwards, people in St. Xavier Church claimed that at that moment, an image of St. Michael the Archangel appeared illuminating over the altar. Some claim that even after the exorcism was over and the demon was gone, it actually left Roland and possessed one of the priests. It is said that the priest was kept in the psychiatric ward until his death in 1983. The final report of the exorcism is locked away in the Vatican archives, but reports leaked to the press. And also all of this is known because in 1978, when the Alexian Brothers Hospital was being torn down, a copy of Father Bishop's exorcist diary was found in a locked room in a desk drawer. The diary was made public a few years ago. Roland himself lived a long and happy life. He never remembered the events that happened. However, when the film came out and everything became so popular, he would apparently leave his house on Halloween in fear that people would try to come find him. He actually even became part of NASA and had a patent for a heat-resistant material that kept the space shuttle from burning up during re-entry, which was vital in the Apollo missions to the moon. In 2021, after his death in 2020, the true identity of Roland Doe became public. His name was Ronald Edwin Hunkeller. And that's how I have for the exorcism of Roland Doe. I've never heard that. Isn't that wild? No, I didn't know it was based off a real event. Yeah. And it was from, so it was from when I said at the end there that it was leaked to the press. So it was leaked to the press around the time that it finished. So the whole thing went on for over a month or so. And then it leaked to the press. And at some point in the seventies or sixties or whatever, um, uh, what's the author's name? Beatty. Um, he, uh, he saw these articles, he heard the stories of it and he just became intrigued about it. So he went ahead and wrote the exorcist and then the exorcist, the, the book itself became bestseller like right away. And then the movie rights were picked up and the film came out like three years later, something like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, they, they found it and just got the ball rolling. But yeah, at that time, no one knew who Roland Doe was. Like I said, not until, you know, 70 some years later, did we actually get the identity of them? And most of these details that I've shared, um, the diary is available online. You can actually read the entire diary. Um, you know, obviously I didn't go over every single detail that was in the diary, but a good amount I went over and I took a lot of this too from uh, a book called Devil Goes to St. Louis. And then um, there's a documentary on Discovery Plus um, that's called Possession of Roland Doe. Um, so a lot of that came from there. But yeah, oh. I... Oh, okay. What? So I just... There's a supernatural episode when they're going after Lucifer and yeah. he's in St. Louis. Oh, interesting. And that's like the title of the episode, I'm pretty sure. And that, that just connected in my head. I'm oh, sorry. that's wild. No, it's okay. <laughs> and... Yeah, yeah. And you'll notice that it, it did take place in two different places. I don't know if that came off there, but it started in Maryland. And then most of the exorcism happened in St. Louis. Uh, but yeah, it's wild. The, the thing that's the most wild to me 
is, you know, we all know the film. Um, and we'll talk about more of our thoughts about the films, you know, obviously on uh, our Friday the 13th episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but was wild to me is how much of that account actually like made it into the film and didn't make it into the film. Oh, I know. Right. Like, yeah. I was, you, I was quite surprised. Yeah. You think like, Oh, this is Hollywood. Like these, like this did not happen to anyone. Like no one levitated off the bed. Like no one, mm-hmm. multiple scratches on their faces and arms. No one threw up. And that's another thing I didn't ven- mention. He, he did throw up. There was a, a moment where he threw up stuff. Um, and it's often said too that, uh, uh, throwing up and he would uh, he would throw up and he would um, urinate all over too. Those are the other two. Okay. Yeah. I guess the, the stench was so bad, like inside the room. Um, and I did mention that the room did get cold as well. Uh, so the throwing up in the movie, the room getting cold, him, uh, Reagan levitating, that is all taken from, this account of Roland Doe. Um, hmm. And yeah, that, that was the craziest part to me was that, that this actually allegedly happened. And there's so many, it's not like it's just like in these words, you know, you watch the documentary too. Like, obviously I'm sure a lot of it's embellished and produced to the point where like, Ooh, this seems real or, but for argument's sake, um, since we are a horror podcast and, you know, um, we're going to, uh, you know, just go for the fact that it is real. Um, I think they said there was over 48 witnesses to this thing. Like it wasn't just witnessed by, you know, three religious people. And that was the other thing that got me too that it was, re- it was witnessed by the scientist, this like renowned, you know, scientist of this. Oh yeah this, you know, world changing project, you know, not, mm-hmm. <laughs> not the greatest thing, yeah. but, but like, you know, obviously he's a scientist. So it's like a complete the opposite end of the spectrum end yeah. of the spectrum. And he was even quoted saying that like, there's, there's gotta be things in this world that we do not understand about electromagnetism and how, you know, one can do this or how this can happen. Um, you know, whether it be through telekinesis or whatever, but, um, I think that's where he was kind of coming from after he saw that. I don't know if he was saying, Oh, demons real, but he was like, how the heck did that happen? Like he's seeing this in front of him and he has no explanation for it. Right. Um, and in the documentary too, they talk about, um, that the, one of the monks, um, actually broke his vow of science, uh, silence when he was dying of cancer and, and this author of the book, um, of the devil went to St. Louis, interviewed him and said that he witnessed him levitating and had to hold him down and like, you know, what, however many inches off the bed. So like a lot of these accounts, it's just, it's, it's interesting to hear. And then, you know, you know, say what you will about the Catholic church, you know, there's obviously a lot of controversy surrounding them, but you know, they have, there's a lot of accounts of priests, not only within this, but also within other cases that they, I was kind of um, surprised to learn that it's not that it it's super common, but it's a lot more common than you would think that these exorcisms take place. Um, and that there's quite a few priests that are actually trained in being an exorcist. And, you know, some of them claim that they see like eyes changing, like changing to green, kind of like Reagan. Um, some claim that, uh, um, you know, they they do witness the superhuman strength and all of that stuff. Uh, it's just wild. It, it's, it's a wild thing because like you take it even to the point where like, again, if you argue against the demon, well, this kid just went through like literal hell. Like, even if a demon didn't go through him, say it was just some type of mental health condition, like this poor kid, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but apparently didn't remember anything either, which is wild, too. Yeah, because usually, well, I guess all the stuff that I know would be from, like, a show, movies, or what I read. Right, but- and we we all know from Hollywood, 
and they say like, like you're trapped inside your own shell, but you can't do anything. Right. And they but say still see everything. And they say too that these exorcisms can go on. Like this one went on for a month. Um, some have reportedly gone on for like four or five years. Like, yeah, like I thought it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, like Hollywood shows you it's kind of like a one and done thing. Like the last 20 minutes of of uh, Exorcist is the actual exorcism, you know, right. like the rest of it is just kind of leading up to it. Um, yeah. But that makes me wonder then if there's a time for like if this it could be any sort of extent, then what makes them better is it just that whatever's going on i mean if it's a demon does the demon just like ah fuck it i'm i'm sick of this like well yeah i mean well in the (laughs) right well in the case well in the case of roland it sounded like from what it i'm we're all gathering and what 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 they've gathered from the diary and stuff like that in the accounts is that the word dominus I don't know if he caught that was that was what got him was like actually being able to say that phrase for whatever reason got him out of it was almost as if that prayer from him like the exorcists it was almost like the exorcists themselves were helping Roland come through and Roland was the one that took the last step of pushing it out okay yeah Yeah. so they were trying to reach him and then finally reached him yeah and say something yeah and you know the the exorcists the exorcism itself the the rituale romandum i I feel like i have to say that in italian accent or i can't say it right the rituale romandum like it just it flows better that way um (laughs) uh but uh it's essentially just a prayer like it's not really anything other than that. It's just a really, really long, drawn out prayer. Um, and you know, they do things like, you know, introduce like relics, which are like pieces of like, you know, saints or holy, you know, sometimes those are pieces of the saints' bones or what have you. Um, and then, you know, holy water obviously is a big thing. Uh mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just essentially a prayer. So I don't know how much the exorcist itself is doing to quote unquote cure them of that, or if it's the person that is actually possessed is the one that they're really trying to reach. I guess maybe it depends on the exorcism, how strong the demon is. Um, they say some demons, I've heard some priests say, you know, that like they've had up to seven demons possessing. I don't know how they figure that out. Maybe they just hear different voices up to seven demons possessing a person at a time. And each demon has a different level, a different strength. Obviously the hardest one is the hardest to get out. And the one in Roland Doe kept claiming, claiming that he was actually Satan. So, I mean, I don't think you can get really more powerful than that. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, and that's, you know, that's top tier there. That's like the CEO of hell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's no I mean, I wonder, hmm. no I going above like, that i wonder if you have if it was i don't know you, you know what i mean so if there's if it's a demon and it says oh i'm satan i wonder if it's just like what a, like someone would do outside like oh yeah i'm burt reynolds like, <laughs> right like is this it, is this is this demon just trying to talk themselves up and like using it as a scare tactic and that, yeah, cause yeah, they, we yeah. don't know any better because it's not like you can oh, that's see. True. That's true. Yeah, and I don't. Yeah, I didn't think about that. that maybe, <laughs> maybe they're just using it as a scare tactic. Try to like name drop. <laughs> Bert, Bert, Bert Reynolds out of anyone you I can, don't know. I just that's of, what came to mind. Out of anyone you can think of in this modern world, you can think of Bert Reynolds. I don't but, know Bert Reynolds or something. <laughs> oh man um on a side note when you said uh xavier i I immediately went to xavier school for gifted youngsters (laughs) i was like what the (laughs) (laughs) x-men so like thought about that i was like oh no
<laughs> they took him to the X-Men and it was actually He's prof- now the most powerful superhero ever. <laughs> you know that superhuman strength? Well, he knows how to um you know, he knows how to to use the demon for it. That's actually kind of a cool concept, Pat. <laughs> use- I mean there there are. Oh yeah, I guess there are. Yeah, I guess you're right. Cuz you got what Mephisto? What that uses an evil demon? Or oh. he's like a demon, but he's in the Marvel universe. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're not original. Um, I was gonna say you're original for a second, and then I'm like, wait a second, that uh, that idea does exist. Uh, <laughs> but yes, Professor X uses his mind powers to rid him. That'd be a fun comic, though. Professor X doing an exorcism. Oh yeah, because he could probably just like <laughs> yep. push him out. Yeah, be like bye bye. <laughs> yeah exactly uh so yeah that that was and the other thing that was um speaking of like strengths and stuff like that i didn't realize that there were necessary i I knew the different terms but i didn't necessarily know that there was uh levels to possession that it started out more of like a um paranormal type thing of just things like moving around shutting doors like i know that happens in the movies and all of that but Mm -hmm. as far as this actual because getting the um you know exorcisms definitely exist in other cultures um other religions um but you know for the sake of what we're talking about this is all catholicism exorcism um and that it it's been documented or said since you know if you look in the bible i guess even jesus you can say it did exorcisms um but yeah i just didn't realize that there were different levels in the catholic um exorcism and it's very hard to even get to the point to say this is full out demonic possession needs an exorcism like each each one can have its own type of exorcism but i guess it's really tough to actually get the bishop or archbishop to actually like okay mm -hmm. here you go yeah it's got to be like because there's certain and then that's was correct in the exorcist film that there are certain um things that it needs to fall that need to happen for it to be an exorcism so like the superhuman strength the understanding languages the aversion to holy water um that's why you know in the movie he gives them basically a placebo gives her basically a placebo where it's not Mm -hmm. actually holy water uh yeah so i just didn't i didn't realize that and yeah there's just different different versions of it but uh yeah i just that was my just biggest thing about that story is just wild and i found it so sad too that he he left his house every halloween because he was just so scared that like people would figure it out because they kept it so secret for so long, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't blame the dude. Like I would yeah, too. You don't want to be bugged by that. Yeah. Like, you don't want to relive it every right. twenty seconds. Right. And the family never talked about it. Like the parents, I guess, never talked about it again. I mean, those poor parents during that time. I just couldn't even imagine this. Just the turmoil they were going through. Like not even to to just like move to right to be helpless and uproot your life go somewhere where you think it's gonna work and have a month of your life just like you don't even know what's happening to your kid Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's yeah it's intense and then i guess they probably and then that 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 rumor of the priest too at the end where he takes the uh, the demon and he gets possessed by it I yeah. mean, basically sounds like the ending to exorcist oh my gosh right spoiler yeah. spoiler alert if you've never seen the exorcist but super spoiler alert yeah super spoiler alert. 13 yeah 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 <laughs> um but yeah it sounds like it um other than the fact of you know the actual actual ending but uh yeah it sounds I very like how like the, the movie did stick to a lot of it, but I mean, I know we'll talk about. Yeah. And and I liked to, you know, obviously the movie, the book, the book itself, I mean, because of the, the book itself as I'm currently reading the book, but the, the movie itself takes more from the actual book, but the book itself does take a lot from this account, but it also just creates its own mythology. Like the whole idea of Pazuzu is not, not part of the Roland Doe, uh, 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 incident or exorcism that's the yeah, right Pazuzu is just completely made up um, based off of a few gods I think and 
other cultures, but yeah, Pazuzu is not a thing. Um, yeah. We'll t- talk more about the actual film in our other episode. Uh, Sorry but, to keep Barton no. up. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But do you have um, anything else to uh, add about this exorcism? Um, I didn't know it was a, a male. And, oh um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That when he when he was at school, that things started going haywire. Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. How did and like how like as a teacher, like what do you think that she was just like stop throwing shit around? Like <laughs> I'm not throwing shit around. <laughs> yeah, I, like, can't I, you see it flying <laughs> through the air? I'm not even doing anything. <laughs> it's the demon. Stop moving your desk around. It's the, it's the demon. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be the same way with if I was a teacher. I'm not going to be like, oh, okay. Anyway, let's continue. Get your our- ass down to the principal's office now. <laughs> oh, it's just a demon. That's all right. Let's continue our lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But that was really the only, I'm trying to think if there were any other accounts of it not happening in his room or where he was, you know, sleeping. Because most of the, and they've no- they noticed this through the exorcism as well. For whatever reason, it only really happened at night. Like during the day, he'd be like normal. So he would just be regular old Ronald, like just be normal, I guess. And then towards the nighttime is when this stuff would happen to him. That's like he would yeah like he would try to go to sleep and then like things would just fly around the room where his bed would start shaking you know that after that first time in St. Louis when the the priest showed up and they left like he was just trying to go to sleep and the bookcase like slid across the room and blocked the doorway like <laughs> I mean that'd be freaking annoying like I'm trying to sleep wait like come on come on not now <laughs> demon not not today satan today literally literally not today satan but (laughs) let me sleep uh yeah so that's the really only account and i didn't see anything else other than in school that it happening during the day but yeah kind of wild it goes with those tropes though like everything that we usually talk about happens at some sort of nighttime. Yeah, it's true. It does. Or like stories you hear always. It does. At the night, you know, yeah, that's dark true. at night and midnight at three a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Yep. Like. Mm-hmm. So it's. It almost rem- it almost reminded me of the first Nightmare on Elm Street when I was reading it, where it's like everything was happening when he was kind of like going to sleep, and then he goes to school and something randomly happens in the class, and they're like. Oh, that's your fault. Go to the principal's class. Go to the principal's office. <laughs> and she's like, right. And then she sees the, that she sees the body bag or whatever, and she's like, "Screw your hall pass." Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um. But yeah, it almost kind of reminded. I don't know if he had any influence on that or knew anything about it, but um, I know his influences came elsewhere that we've talked about with Elm Street, but. It just seemed, and then the writing on the skin too. Like that was kind of crazy. Like did oh, you, that, that, that's another thing. It's like some of these things, okay, maybe you can explain them off, you know, the convulsing and some of the things. Um, but, you know, obviously when it comes to levitation, can't really explain that. And then also when like the word hell like comes out from your body and pushes up through your skin and then brands onto the skin, like Jesus Christ. <laughs> And like some of these things he would feel too, like he would scream out in pain, like he would feel the the claw marks or whatever they were that mm-hmm. would scratch on him and, you know, it sing, you know, oh, and then like it's saying Lewis, like, like not terribly short words, like, ouch. No. <laughs> so, can you oh like gosh, write like high on me or something? Can you make it a little shorter? <laughs> right yeah right and that's probably crazy too i wonder if it did leave scars on him or not or did it just go away i know i don't know it would have been interesting to to know about him like what did did he have these scars that were still there he never obviously never really talked even up to his death i don't i think he was okay i think towards the end 
that's when he wanted to, he just wanted everyone to know that there was this evil out in the world. Um, and that's why he just came at the end and said it. Um, he just wanted obviously a peaceful life, which is how he did. I mean, freaking NASA and like (laughs) NASA and he like helped out the Apollo missions. Like, dude, you didn't just like live your life after this. You lived your life after this. Yeah. Like when, (laughs) when I heard you say that, I was like, Holy crap. Like that's a a good twist right there. Right. Right. It's like, um, it's that, yeah, it wasn't one of those like, Oh, I hope he's having a good life now. No, it's like, no, damn, dude, go. Yo, I lived it up. Go, Ronald. Went to the moon. <laughs> go, <Yeah>. Ronald, go. <laughs> so I'm glad, I'm very glad that that happened, regardless of what it was, whether it was a demon or mental health or whatever, something obviously unexplainable happened to him. Um, and I'm just glad that he was able to live this life that was actually very, very, uh, um, uh, fulfilling what it, yes. from what it sounds like so that is awesome so at least out of all of this you can take that happy ending away from it um obviously a great movie came out of it too but really importantly this guy got better and had a great life so mm-hmm. um but yeah so that that is it for the true story of the exorcist uh so on Friday, join us uh, for our special horror time review episode of The Exorcist. So, Exorcist One, not that it's called The Exorcist One, but The Exorcist, and then Exorcist Two, Heretic, and then Exorcist Three, Legion. Um, so, those are the three films that we're going to discuss. Um, we're not going to discuss the the newest one, Exorcism Believer, because we haven't seen it yet. Uh, or Exorcist Believer, we haven't seen it yet. And then the other two prequels, um, we just, they're just so far removed that we just didn't really, uh, well, we wanted to, ones that were a little closer together and just like that trilogy. So, um, yeah. Uh, Do you have anything else to add, Pat? No, I just hope all our fans enjoyed this and will join us for Friday the 13th. Yep, yep. And remember, it is Exorcist Week here at Horror Time. So not only this episode and the episode on Friday, but we will be trying to share um, Exorcist content, trivia um, on our Facebook pages and on our socials. So follow us at Horror Time Podcast on Facebook, TikTok, uh, Instagram. Most of our content is on Facebook page and Facebook Reels. so yeah, just join us there. And then if you could be so kind, it gets us out to be known to a lot more people and we want more people to enjoy our content. So if you love our content, please go ahead and rate and review our show um, on Apple Podcasts would be the best um, just because it really, that just really uh, pushes us out there, like I said. Uh, but yeah, we really do appreciate you guys listening to us and um, you know, have a good rest of the week and we'll see you on Friday. See ya.